God. We've had a wonderful time here this morning, singing songs and welcoming the presence of God here. And it's an awesome thing to be here in the presence of the Lord. To know that He can be here with us anywhere we're at, no matter whether we're here or at our church or our homes or anywhere. God's been good to us. He's been good to you. And we can't do anything but praise Him. No matter what we're going through, no matter what afflictions our bodies are going through, no matter what we're facing, just no matter, He's been good to us. And I just want to give Him praise and honor to let Him know that I appreciate where He brought me from. Because I know where I came from and I know what I used to do. Today, we must be right with God. Nothing else matters. Scripture reading today is John 3, 3, 5, 16 through 19. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. We must be right with God no matter what. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we want in life, no matter what things we desire, we must be right with God no matter what. Nothing else matters. Death is the only vehicle that can transport across the bridge from time over into eternity. We're all destined to die. As appointed unto man wants to die. And then the judgment. Where will your vehicle stop? Will it stop at the pearly gates of heaven or the flaming gates of hell? It's all about being right with God. Nothing else matters. But even though we say we're going to be right with God, we say that we want to be right with God, He has some requirements. He has some requirements that we must fulfill to be right with Him so that we will enter to the gates of heaven and not the gates and flames of hell. Are you right with God? If you died today, do you know if you would go to heaven? Are you, or, or are you truly uncertain as to where you would spend eternity? Have you fulfilled God's plan of salvation? Do you know God's true plan of salvation? Or have you been led astray by man's false doctrines? Paul wrote in Galatians that if an angel or anybody else preaches anything unto you than what you have heard and received, then let him be accursed. So that tells me that there's teachers and people out here preaching and teaching things that's not true. Not true to the word of God and salvation. There's only one way to heaven. 
It's through Jesus Christ. Taking on His name in water baptism and receiving His Spirit by the evidence of speaking in tongues. And then walking a holy and godly and separated life from the world. Now we're all on a plane of work of learning and growing with God. Just because I'm Holy Ghost filled and baptized in Jesus' name, I'm not perfect. I still mess up. But I'm striving to be better. I'm striving to have that closer walk with thee. I'm striving to be the man of God he's called me to be. I hunger in my heart to live for God better than I have been. Better than I have from the day back in 23, 22, 23 years ago when I received the Holy Ghost. I strive and hunger to be a better man. What's most important in your personal life? What do you value more than anything else in this world? Is it your kids? Is it your grandkids? Is it your house? Is it the money you have in the bank? You ain't going to take none of that with you. It ain't going. The only thing you can take to heaven with you is your kids, your grandkids. But they have to fulfill the plan of salvation too. You, they can't get into heaven on your coattails. And you can't get into heaven on mama's or grandma's coattails. There's too many churches out here, denominational churches, that are saying things of that nature in a sense. That you do this, you ask Christ into your heart, you're saved. But you can't find it in the Word of God that way. We must be right with God. Nothing else matters. What would you die for? Would you die to have a billion dollars in the bank? Would you die to have your health back 100%? Would you die for your kids? You've got to be right with God. What it's worth giving up God and salvation for in your personal life, in my personal life? Nothing. There's nothing in my life, there's nothing, there's not a thing that I want in this earth. Not material wealth, not material blessings, not mental state, not bodily health. There's nothing worth me having over the salvation of God. He gave humanity the freedom to make our own choices. Whether our choices are good or bad, right or wrong, there's none of us that are perfect and without sin. Romans 3 and 10 says, As is it written, there is none righteous. No, not one. None of us are righteous. None of us. God chose to allow sin to pass down into all humanity after Adam and Eve sinned. And technically, Adam is the one that did the sinning. Eve was deceived and enticed Adam to take partake of that fruit, whatever it was. He had a choice. God gave him the same power of choice that he gave you, that he gave me. He gave us the ability to make our own decisions for ourselves. Now Adam could have sat there and said, no, I'm not going to do that. God told us not to do it. But he did. So Adam is the one that brought the sin onto us. But Jesus Christ is the one that brought back the cleansing and the salvation. But even in our gift from God to have the freedom of choice, as we were all born into sin, we are all destined to a devil's hell. Did you know that? Do you realize that, that when you're born, you're already destined to hell? Don't make sense, does it? Don't make a bit of sense. Not to me. But I understand why. 
I understand that I was born out of my mother's womb into sin. But God said, I'm not going to leave them like that. I'm not going to allow them to stay in that state of sin and stay hard-hearted and prideful. And they say, well, I'm all right. Who are you to tell me that I'm not right with God? He can break down those walls of rebellion. He can break down those walls of humanistic ways. Pride. He's broken down the walls of my pride many times. And I personally don't claim to have any pride. But God knows what we have in our hearts, even when we don't know. But the thing is, we've got to be right with God. Nothing else matters. I don't have enough pride in my heart that I won't bend my knees down at an altar and tell God, I'm sorry for the ways of I, that I've lived. I'm sorry for the fact that I was born into sin. I'm sorry that I struggle in some areas of my life. But I hunger for you, God. I want to live for you more than I even know I want to live for you. But since humanity was born into sin... We all have that nature of sin within us. I can't explain what that nature of sin is, except the fact it's just the fact that it's a sin that was just spread out over humanity. I, I can't explain it. But sometimes it overrides our desires to seek God. It does. Paul said, those things that I wish that I was doing, those things that I want to do, he says, I find those things hard to do. But I have to force myself to do them. But then he said, the, the things that I don't want to do, the way I don't want to feel, and I just paraphrase it, the way I act, the way I don't want to do, I still do them. You know, Paul, before he was enlightened to the truth, was a persecutor of the Christians. He had a lot of them uh, put to death. Do, 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 did Paul actually kill anyone himself? We really don't know based on the word of God. But he had, a, he had it ordained and called for. But Paul said he was, he was, he was the, the chiefest sinner of them all. But Paul had that, that enlightenment. And his eyes was opened up and his understanding. And he dedicated the rest of his life to teaching the gospel. And sharing and preaching about Jesus Christ. That he was called for persecutions for just a few years earlier. Because of that nature of sin that was within him and all of us. Romans 3 and 12 says, There is none that understand. There is none that seeketh after God. Do you seek after God here in your, in your, in your room? I'm just going to get blunt with you. Respectful but blunt. Do you sit down and, sit and, read, and read your Bible in your room? Do you pray and talk to God? You probably don't do it every day. I don't do it every day because I'm a human man and I have things of life I'm doing and I allow it to get caught up in it. But I've been in the church for 20, almost 23 years. Halloween night will be my Holy Ghost birthday when I received the Holy Ghost 23 years ago speaking in tongues. And I was water baptized in Jesus' name two weeks before that. And that's what's made the change in this, this boy right here. That's what's made the change in me. And all through the good times, I stayed in church. 
And now all through the hard times and the tough times and the afflictions that I carry in my body, I'm still there. I'm still in the church. Have I been perfect? Have I been without sin for the last 23 years? No. I've messed up many times. But we must live in our mind and heart in a state of repentance. We repent the first time over to God when we want to get water baptized in Jesus' name. But then we must live in a state of repentance in our heart because we're always going to mess up. Now the problem is, the people of the world, the secular people of the world that don't know Christ as we know Him, they put us on a pedestal when they find out you're a Christian. They put us up on a pedestal they expect to not see us ever fail. And then when we fall out and mess up, then they say, yeah, you said you was a Christian. So what are you doing there messing up with that? I didn't tell you to put me on a pedestal, did I? I didn't tell you that I was a superhuman, that I was without sin after I received the Holy Ghost. I still have the nature of the sin in my life. I still have to battle this thing. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. That's winning and losing battles. But you know what? We're going to win the war. Ultimately, the war, when it's over, we're going to heaven when we're going to fly away. Am I angry? Yeah, I'm angry at sin. I'm angry at the fact that we were born into sin and we weren't given a choice. I'm angry at the fact that I'm not perfect and I can't live perfectly and I can't go without messing up in my life. But I try. Yeah, I'm angry. I'm angry at what Satan has done to the people of this world. I'm angry at what I see out here in this world, what people do. The piercings, the body modifications, putting things in their head to make them look like devil's horns. Putting places all over their faces, covering themselves up in piercings. Tattoos all over their body. It's all against the Word of God. But they don't care because a lot of them have been turned over to a reprobate mind. To believe what they want to believe. To believe a lie because they had not the belief and the love for the truth of the Word of God. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. The Bible goes back into the book of Genesis talking about men with men. Having relations with men with men. Women with women. What are we seeing now in this world in 2016? We're seeing, we're seeing people thinking that they were born a woman and thinking they're a man. Seeing a man thinking he's a woman. And now they're trying to indoctrinate our little children and trying to make them think that, oh, well, you couldn't really be a little boy, little girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, this world makes me mad. Makes me mad at the things that I've seen people do. It makes me mad at what I've even seen happen in my own family. I've got a second cousin. One of my first cousin's daughter. To my knowledge, I haven't seen her in years, but to my knowledge from what they've told me, she's strung out on drugs. Probably smoking that meth and all that stuff. But I haven't seen this cousin of mine in years. I've got another cousin that over 20-something years ago, maybe 25 years or so ago, I lost another cousin due to drugs, and he was in a car wreck and got killed. Yeah, I'm mad. I'm mad at sin. I'm mad at what it does to people. But we must be right with God. No matter what. Luke 12, 16-21 And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. That sounds like pride. And he said, This will I do. 
I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. So this man had a lot of pride in his heart. You know, now it would have been wrong to store up these fruits and these vegetables if he'd helped the people, helped the poor, helped those that couldn't do for themselves. He'd keep enough for him and his family. But share it. Share it with them. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? See, if he'd have been a giver, God might not have took his life right then. So he layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. It's not wrong to have a lot of goods. It's not wrong to have a lot of material things. But if this rich man would have had others in mind, maybe less fortunate means, that uh, he, he, he didn't have as much as, as they had. If he would have shared some of the abundance of God's, God would have richly blessed him with more, as long as he continued to share his wealth with others. Don't place so much importance on things of this world. Things here that are material, they'll rust and they'll tear up. They'll be stolen. You know, there's some things, I, there's things in my life, people stolen some things from me over the years. I was raised not to steal. And I, I don't recall ever stealing anything from somebody else's stuff when I was a kid and younger. But there's been things that's been stolen from me. My car was broken into when I was in high school one morning. And I, back in the 70s, and I had a little 8-track tape player that I mounted up under the dash of my car. I go out there and my tape deck's all broken in, stolen, all of my tapes. I didn't do, do nothing to, to deserve that. I, don't, I didn't do nothing to hurt nobody. I hadn't done nothing to steal from anybody. But the thing is, that's what people do. Why? Because of the power of choice. They choose to do stuff like that. They choose to take from people that thinks it's not their own. There's been a lot of accounts of kids and thugs, people that don't regard life. They've stolen from other people's property. And some have shot and killed others for worthless material things. I don't know if y'all remember some years ago, there was a big thing about some certain kind of tennis shoe. And there was these, these kids out here, thugs, beating up people and taking, their, taking up out other people's tennis shoes. I, there was even some cases where some people got killed for tennis shoes. Certain sports labels or jackets. People's minds are not in the right place. To put so much importance on a, on a materialistic jacket or tennis shoes that they would kill somebody for it. Galatians. I said this at some point in time. I've said this many times in these messages. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall reap of the flesh corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting. So if you're out here sowing bad things, bad things are going to come back to you. And as sad as I hate to say it, unfortunately sometimes even when we're doing good, bad things are going to happen to us. 
The Bible says it, it rains on the just and the unjust. There's bad people out here in this world that are going to have good things are going to happen to them. They are. There's people out here that, that, that really, there's people out here, and I'm just going to be blunt. There's people out here in this world that has a very low education. They're, very, they're not very, very intelligent at all. They really aren't. But they go out here and spend their money. Every week they'll put money and buy lottery tickets. Waste just about all their money on lottery tickets. And some of them, some of them actually win millions. They'll win the Powerball. They'll win some of these millions, millions of dollars of, of, of prizes. But it, just a few short years after they get it, it's all gone. Because they don't have the intelligence to know how to use it. They don't have God first letting Him lead them and direct them and help them understand. Where can I put this money, Lord? Where can I invest this money here, keep enough for me to use, and invest it over here in the kingdom of God to help somebody else? So, so good things does happen to bad people. And good things happens to good people. And, of course, bad things happen to bad people. It's what you sow. But if you're sowing good seeds, trying to help somebody else, trying to be good to somebody else, it's going to come back to you. Because you can't outgive God. You can't do something for somebody else far beyond the means of what they can do. And then God said, oh, whoo, that was a good one there. I don't think I can meet up to that one. I don't think I can match that. You've overdone me there. No. God is always can do out better than anything we've ever done. Why does he do it? Why does he bless us the way he does? Because he loves us. The Bible says that the weakness of God is stronger than men. What is the weakness of God? Does anybody know what the weakness of God is? Love. We really don't know how it is to love. We don't know really how what love is. The only thing I can use in my way of describing what love is, now I love my wife. I love my wife and I love all of y'all. But the love that you have for your children is a different kind of love than you'll ever have for anybody else. Your offspring, the only, my two daughters that's come up here many times, those two girls came from me and my wife. Nobody could have created them the way that our joining did. And my love for my daughters is entirely different than the love I have for y'all and the love I have for my wife. Because they're my children. I was blessed to be the overseer, the protector of those two girls. God is our father. And we're his children. That's what the love is. His weakness is love. Because no matter what, we must be right with God. No matter what. If you put more importance on material things in this world than God or your salvation, that's where your heart is. 
Like I said, it's not wrong to have nice things. There's things I want still in this world. There's material things I want. I'm wanting, to be honest with you, my daughter here, I don't think I've even shared this with y'all. Uh, earlier this year, after my daughter got married in June, and she's living in Macon with, with her husband, she was driving to work, or coming, coming out, actually coming out from the parking lot from her work to go during lunch to go pick up her husband, which worked short, just a short distance. They were going to go to lunch. And she pulled out, and this car hit her in our little Saturn. And it tore up the side of it. It had to be towed. And she didn't get hurt. But we lost that car. We wound up having to just sell it to the junkyard because there was so much damage in there that it was not feasibly to get it fixed. So that put me at the point where my wife had to take over the van again and I had to go back into my truck. Now my truck, I've used my truck for years just for work. But I had to come up here in it today. Anywhere I go, I have to use my truck. And it's got almost close to 200,000 miles on it. I take care of it. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. But my point is, I want material things just like other people do too. And I've been praying that God would bless me with a, with a, very, a nice, nice running vehicle, whether extre extremely cheap or somebody has a vehicle that they would just don't need anymore and just give it to me. So that I could use it to go around everywhere else and keep my truck just for work. But I don't put that importance on material things. I pray about things and God blesses me as he sees fit. But we have to have our more importance on the things of God. We have to stay focused on what's right and what's wrong. We have to continue to say, am I right with you, God? If I'm not, help me to get right with you. But greed has all but destroyed this world and the hearts of mankind. Greed is what's caused prices to be raised so high. And you know, this is my opinion. I'll tell you where it all starts. My opinion. Fuel. Gas. When all of that goes up in price, everybody else triple effects all the way down to everything. Everything. Food. Walmart prices. Kroger. Kmart. Anywhere. All the prices raise up. Everything. Everything. Exactly. It all starts with fuel. That's my opinion. And I may be wrong on that. But that's a good place to start. Even prices when you go to places that you have to pay to get an admission fee somewhere to go into something, to go see a play, or, or uh, for people of the world, they go to rock concerts, you know. I mean, I went to them years ago when prices was astronomically cheap. Five, six dollars to go see a rock band. Now it's a hundred bucks. Amen. That's what I've been told because I don't go to rock concerts no more. My brother had an extra ticket for a concert here a few months ago that him and his family went. And he said, I've got this ticket, Daryl, if you want to go. I said, no, I don't. I said, no, I, actually, I said, I do want to go. I said, I do want to go because I never saw that band in concert. But I've been living for God 23 years, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. And I didn't tell him all this. But I just told him, I said, this is something I made a pact or, or so to speak, an agreement between me and God that I wouldn't go to concerts anymore after that. He said, okay, no problem. But prices on things are so high nowadays. 
Me and my daughter went over to Red Lobster here just a couple of weeks ago and ate supper. She got some uh, gift, gift cards from her work. She won Employee of the Month. The platter I got was $18. It wasn't even worth half of that. I tell you what, it wasn't worth half of that. But greed is a form of, of covetousness. And the Bible says, thou shalt not covet. This world is full of immorality and disrespect to others. It treats people as if they're a commodity to be traded and used. And when they are finished with them, they discard it as trash. People do not have regard for the value of human life. That's why you see all these little teeny bopper rock stars out here. All these little people doing this and that on the Disney Channel. And then they turn around and now they're out here singing and, and, and dressing and practically nude. Vulgar and doing the things they're doing because the world is chewing them up and spitting them out. From drug trafficking, getting people hooked on drugs as they can so the drug addicts will have to continue to be dependent on the drugs. Dealers to supply them with more drugs. Spending thousands and thousands of dollars and putting regard to life as zero. And these days, matter of fact, not just these days, but ever since the days of Noah. God's holy sexual intimacy between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, has been taken into a place of perversion. <clears throat> Pleasures of the flesh. Too many children being born out of wedlock because of ungodly acts that they never should have done in the first place. We're all human. We're all adults. We know what I'm talking about. Not to mention the millions and millions of babies that have been boarded and murdered. The Bible says, before I formed you in, the in your mother's womb, I knew you. God knew us before we were ever created and formed in our mother's womb. He knew the plans he had for my life before I was ever in my mother's womb. He knew all the things I was going to go through in my, my adolescent years, my teenage years, and in my 20s. He knew, he knew the things I was going to try to do to be a successful rock, rock drummer and have a rock band. He knew what failures I was going to make. He knew at the appointed time when I was going to receive the Holy Ghost. What happened to all of these children that were aborted and murdered? either partial abortion in halfway out of the womb. Can you imagine the pain that precious baby feels until he passes away? Who's to say that one of these millions of children that's been aborted and murdered wasn't going to rise up and be President of the United States and lead this country down the pathways of holiness? Who's to say that one of these murdered, aborted children wasn't going to be another modern-day Apostle Paul and spread the gospel around and impact so many people? We'll never know. But society has been on a downward decline from the days of Adam and Eve into after their sin in the Garden of Eden. The abominations that, that just mount up and surpass Homosexuality, men having relations with men, women with relations with women, it's a stench in the nostrils of God. 
People have no integrity these days. They're not holding themselves accountable for the actions of their words. They're acting as if they're in an island unto themselves and that they do not have to answer to anyone for anything they do. Job was a man of integrity. He lost everything he had, including his children. The only thing God didn't take from him was his, was his life and his wife. And then she spoke as one of the foolish women, told him, telling Job, why don't you just curse God and die? But Job retained his integrity. But through the times, through the times of what Job suffered in his body, the boils that they said from head to foot, we don't know the time frame that lasted on him. We don't know. We don't know if it was years, months, or what. But when God ended it and brought him out, he blessed him with more of everything that he had before, even more children. King David was a man of integrity. He wrote many of the psalms. He had a spirit of humility and brokenness. But David saw Bathsheba out bathing on her, on her deck whenever. I don't understand that. Why in the world is a woman out on a deck bathing? But he saw her. He should have been out there on the, in, the, in, in the battle with, with, his, with his men, but he wasn't. Long story short, y'all know the story. He had her come over there. They had relations. She got pregnant. Then he had to have Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, murdered out on the battlefield because of what he had done to cover his sins. Then it was revealed to him that he was the man that had committed the sin. And it tore him up. He got on his bended knees. He repented and cried out to God. And God forgave him. Because he wanted to be right with God. Nothing else mattered. This world's going to lie to each other in a heartbeat. People lie and cheat all the time. And they never feel bad about it. They don't ever make amends for the lies that they tell people. They're children of the devil. And he is a liar from the beginning. Deception happens every day. People deceive each other so much that it becomes a part of their daily lives. And sometimes they get to a point they don't even know when they're telling a lie or telling the truth. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The Bible says that all liars will have their place in the lake of fire. Matter of fact, here's the verse. Revelation 21 and 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death. But I've just touched on several points here today. And I just wanted y'all to think about this. You've got to be right with God. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter about wanting to watch this TV here. It doesn't matter about what you, what, what you do in your room. It doesn't matter what I do at my home. I've got to be right with God. 
God has requirements on what it takes for us to be saved and to be right with Him. The Bible says that you must be born again. I told you at the beginning in my scripture reading, Jesus said, you must be born of the water and of the Spirit or you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You've got to repent. You've got to tell God you're sorry for the sins that you've committed in your life. You've got to tell Him you're sorry that you're born into sin. You've got to have a cognizant understanding of what it means to repent and tell God you're sorry for the ways that you've lived your life. And then you've got to live in a state of repentance so that if you mess up again, you can go to Him and ask Him to forgive you. But there's two steps that you have to re require to, to, to meet. You must be water baptized in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. You have to be baptized in the name of Jesus to wash away your sins. That is a symbolic act of getting Jesus' blood applied to your life. There's no other way. The Bible says that if any man try to come into heaven and enter in by, by another means besides Jesus Christ, there is a thief and a robber. You've got to go through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the door. But it's all in His name. It's all in His name. You've got to be baptized in His name. Not in the titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And if you have been baptized that way, you still need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Because it was Jesus only that died on that cross. It was Jesus only that shed His blood. It was the name that the Holy God, the invisible God, revealed to us for salvation. The only name, Jesus Christ, given among men whereby we must be saved. If, none, if, if any of you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, in the water, we can get you baptized. We can get talk to the staff. We can get, have consent with you. We can get you water baptized in Jesus' name. It's up to you. It's up to you to be water baptized in Jesus' name. And then you must receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when you do, you will speak in tongues. You will speak in tongues in a language you have not learned because it's what the Bible says. Don't allow yourself to be led astray by maybe things that you've learned and been taught over the years growing up as a child, maybe in another denominational church. I was raised up in a denominational church that believed asking Christ into your heart, you're saved. I'm sorry, that's not true. I still have family that believe that. I have family that don't understand about being water baptized in Jesus' name and receiving the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. But I'm praying for them every day. And one day they're going to make it. One day they're going to open up their understanding and God's going to reveal to them. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the appointed time. It's up to you. It's up to you. That's what I said in the message. It's your choice. God gives you your power of choice. He gave me the power of choice. I chose to adhere to what He wanted. 
I chose to be water baptized in His name. I chose to receive the Holy Ghost. It's up to you. If any of you want to be water baptized in Jesus' name, you need to let, let us know. And we'll discuss it with the staff. If you have any family members that we need to uh, bring into the picture, we, we, we can get that arranged as well. But it's up to you. We must be right with God, no matter what. To the day that we take our last breath in this body. We must be at peace and know that we're going to meet God. And that all of our sins have gone ever before us. That when we meet Him face to face, we'll stand before Him clean. Let's all bow our heads. We're going to talk to the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, today is the day of salvation. Today is the appointed time. Why does anyone hinder themselves from being baptized in Jesus' name? We ask you, God, that you would minister to the minds and the hearts and souls of everyone that's heard these words today. That you would speak to them. Help them understand how important it is to be water baptized in Jesus' name and to receive the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Help them to understand, Lord, how crucial it is to be right with you at the day when they leave this earth. When we all leave this earth, Lord. We ask you to minister to these hearts and souls in this place today. Minister to them, O oh God. And that they may consent to be baptized in your name. Thanks in your name.